Welcome to Career Combat with your host, Kelly Combat. Get ready to learn how to navigate the career battlefield and achieve a flawless victory. Now, here is Kelly. Well, welcome, welcome, and welcome one more time. This is Career Combat, and my name is Kelly Combat. I would love to say welcome again because I I try not to take for granted that you could be doing anything in the world right now, uh, but you decided to listen, and I really appreciate that. What is this show about? If you're just joining us for the very, very first time, what this show is about is empowerment, career empowerment. And with my background of human resources, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and of course, a professional certified coach, it's all about really bringing those answers to you. And sometimes we we laser focus in on really thinking about all the things that you're talking about. I got the job. Now what? I just got fired. Now what? I really don't understand what quandaries I'm facing. Now what? All these things are important to you and they're also important to me. And, and then sometimes we bring forth the, the brightest and best in the business. People who will bring the real talk with real world challenges and sometimes provide you some insights as to how they've navigated their world and their career. And with the fact that tomorrow is the first day of fall, it's fall, y'all. <laughs> I don't usually say the word y'all, but I'm going to say it because I love this time of year. It's so autumnal. And with all of that, I'd love to celebrate by introducing to you a conversation. I like to call it a coffee chat. And for this call, for this episode, we have Mark Guay. That's G-U-A-Y. If you don't know Mark, you need to look him up. I'd love to share with you this interview that we have for you today because Mark, Mark was on my, my, my wish list, if you will, of people to interview. And I'll tell you why. It's because Mark has an eclectic background, so much that he's done, so many choices that he's made in his career. And I thought it would be interesting because just even listening to him is very soothing, I have to say. <laughs> and, and I also think that Mark knows what he's doing and he is the consummate professional and coach and and host and he just does so many things so without further delay here is mark guay kelly it's such an honor to be here thank you so much for having me on the show absolutely mark if you could just tell the audience a little bit about you just a little bit of a flyover who are you who is mark guay sure yeah thank you so much i appreciate it so I've been in the coaching industry for over 15 years and <laughs> and it's funny trying to wrap up so much that's occurred in that time, you know, in just a few a little bit of a soundbite, but in short, I started off coaching as a USA triathlon coach and I was working with uh, elite performers at that time uh, out of a place called Chelsea Piers in the West Side Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible, you know, I was a triathlete myself. I qualified for Team USA. And uh, I had dreams of getting into the Olympics. Fell very short of that, but uh, had some friends who got into it. And throughout that time, I learned a lot about what peak performance looks like. And I got to work with uh, a lot of individuals that were peak performers in triathlon, but also uh, peak performers in their career as well, whether it was you know a culinary chef or uh, CEO of a major bank. And over time... I started to ask myself some, you know, bigger questions. I've always been a philosophical guy. I've always been curious about um, spiritual spirituality, mysticism, and so I started asking a lot of questions about purpose and started to have really deep conversations with a lot of my uh, athletes that I was working with. And over time, and there's a lot of stories in that that I'm happy to share. It eventually led to what I do now, where you know I work with high-performing leaders and I really help them navigate the deep internal change that happens with the human experience. You know, we are a human animal. We're meant to evolve. And uh, yet our systems in our culture don't necessarily allow for that to happen quite easily. And a lot of people, they find, you know, they could be in their 30s or 40s and they experience a, 
either it's a shift in consciousness or they're going through a very challenging time, whether it's grief or a loss, uh, or um, they just aren't happy with the same, same, you know, anymore. Indeed. And that could be really challenging to navigate while also still trying to keep up the mortgage, keep up all the responsibilities of a high performing leader, all of those things. Right. And of course, still present this, you know, this sort of mask of everything's okay when it might not be so. So that's typically what I do. And I love uh, gathering men and, and having these conversations and going through some deep work together. And I really appreciate that flyover. It, it gives us a lot of color to what you've experienced and who you are as a person. And you were saying, Mark, that this is who you've always been in terms of a pretty spiritual and thoughtful kind of person. What do you think is behind all of that? <laughs> oh, that's such a lovely question. I actually have, <laughs> I, I'm on the verge of tears with you, Kelly, because these are, these are really, these are the type of questions I, I call sacred, you know, and these conversations are Bingo. sacred to me. So, so thank you. Uh, and I don't know exactly what's behind all of it. I, I, uh, the, we can go psychological here. You know, I'm technically adopted, right? I was adopted at three months old. Mm -hmm. And so I think in my DNA is always this question of who am I? Um, and I, I think of that as a gift, you know, uh, Da Vinci was uh, adopted as well. And yes, and in that, I think, biological mindset uh, is this curiosity around what is this human experience? I, I've, I've always found it so fascinating. And I've always been no matter what's going on in my world, uh, you know, the lowest of the lows, I've always still been able to look at something in my life and see beauty and, and feel gratitude for it. And I'm so grateful to be alive and I'm so grateful for this human experience. And at the same time, my favorite word is the word normal because it implies that it's a, it's a set and true answer. Yeah. Ah. When you travel around the world, you go to different companies, you go to different cultures normal is the most relative term we have. And I've just always been hungry to, you know, meet with people. I was meeting with someone yesterday and I said, it felt, feels like we're two voyagers that have been on a trail. You've been on your trail. I've been on mine. And now we're sitting down and we're going, Hey, what's it like over there? What's that mountain like? And I share what my mountain has been like. And I just find that so incredibly exhilarating because sure. I think that's what we're all trying to do. We're all trying to do our best, make sense of this, and show up in our lives in a way that honors our families, our communities, and of course, our spirit. Precisely. And I remember when I first met you, uh, both being hosts uh, mm -hmm. on, a, on a coaching platform, and just I remember being your, your chat person, your chat engagement coach, if you will. And mm -hmm. listen, because, of course, I was listening very intensely about the way in which you were facilitating. And it, again, as I said it earlier, uh, when we first opened this this episode, there was so much Zen. I felt peace. I felt tranquility. And I'm wondering how often do you hear that from either coaches or clients that you have that you partner with? How often do you hear that? Thank you for, for recognizing that. Uh, I have a part of me that doesn't want to admit how often I actually hear that, but I do. I, <laughs> I hear that often. And one woman, I think, put it really well that uh, really touched deeply within. She said, you know, deep water runs still. And I, I never until that time heard that metaphor. And I thought that was really beautiful. And um, I, I will be perfectly honest with you and say that's not always how it feels for me, you know? Uh, but I think like you, I have a lot of practices that I pull on for when the waters get turbulent and, and they thankfully have been helpful for me and allow me to show up in my work and in my life and in my relationships with that steady, you know, calm like presence. And that brings me to a point about failure. Uh, mm -hmm. I said in a previous episode I love the acronym of FAIL being finding answers in learning because mm -hmm. that's why I've embraced failing because mm -hmm. I know I'm going to find some answers. So thinking about failure, what was the biggest, most great failure? And I used great for, for a reason. What was the mm -hmm. greatest failure that you've had in your career that taught you the best 
lesson? Oh, that's a great question. And and like you mentioned, I've I've experienced a lot of failures and I I do believe, you know, failing forward is very powerful. And I will say uh, a lot of times, you know, the bumps and bruises you get on that journey, they hurt. They hurt. And I would say my greatest failure uh, is like I mentioned earlier, you know, I really wanted to get into the Olympics. I was not raised into was not raised in an athletic family. And so when I, in my early twenties, when I got into triathlon, I was so in awe at what my body was able to do. I had no idea. I'd never seen this before. And all of a sudden I realized if I put in the dedication, yes, you know, day after day, year after year, holy moly, my body can do amazing things. And at 24, I qualified for what's called the, the uh, world's long course uh, triathlon championship down in Perth, Australia. I had completed a half Ironman in a pretty fast time. And, and so I thought, it might, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I actually have a chance here. And I started training with other people that uh, were Olympic bound and one, uh, Lucas Siska, he ended up actually uh, competing in the Olympics twice. And what happened for me, however, was actually the opposite. You know, I went to the Pyrenees in, in Andorra, which is a country right between Spain and France. And I rode the Tour de France routes on my bike. And I, I even one day was able to train with the, what's called the Garmin and the Savello team, which are the teams that compete in the Tour de France. And I even remember, <laughs> you know, seeing the Armstrong written in chalk across the road and uh, what happened, unfortunately, after that is is I, I had an injury in my ankles, to to be simple, and that injury didn't really go away, and it kind of built and uh, upon itself. And eventually, a few years later, it came to the realization that this isn't going to happen. You know, my body was saying to myself, "You need to rest. Mm. You need to rest." And so, that was a hard pill for me to swallow because I had seen other people continue to rise, but my body was not competing in the same way. And what I learned from that lesson, you know, and it's a t it was a tough one to swallow and, and I wish I would have learned it earlier, but it was helpful, very helpful because I use it till this day, is the importance for rest. And I'll just say this, you know, we have a culture that, that breeds push, 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 go more, yes. go deeper. Pain is weakness, leaving the body. Nike's saying, just do it, you know? And so I was the kid who had a, <laughs> this is funny to admit, when I was in college, I had a uh, a piece of paper above my bed that, that's, can I swear on this episode? I'm not sure if that's allowed. <laughs> is that allowed? I, I'm sure it is. <laughs> okay. It's, <laughs> I want to be sensitive. Uh, and there was a saying, uh, on the piece of paper, it said, get your ass up and into the gym. And oh boy. Yeah. And that was my mentality and it worked really well in my twenties. And, and then one day it didn't. And so I learned the lesson of rest and how you can push hard, man, you could push hard and the body wants to be pushed hard. And as hard as you push, that's as deep as you need to rest. And if you're not resting that deeply, you're not going to recover. You're not going to anneal, which is to grow stronger. And so yes. that was a, a very powerful lesson to me, for me. What a story. What a story indeed. And it, it's it, like you said, it's so turbulent. It, it's got lots of lessons in it. And I can tell from, you know, just knowing you, all the things that you've been able to uh, take with that. And whether it's creating humility or creating um some sort of uh, engagement with folks because there's that empathy that you have as a coach. And so what a, what a story. And I appreciate your bravery and your candor in providing us that kind of insight because there's lots and lots of nuggets hidden right within everything that you just said. Yeah. Thank you for that, Kelly. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And so everyone, you are listening to Mark Guay. This is an interview, a coffee chat, if you will. And we've been talking about so many different things, things that you can take along as you will for your career. And we're going to take a break in just a few moments. And after the break, we'll come back with Mark and we're going to dive a bit deeper. Mm, we're going to dive a bit deeper. So <laughs> stay tuned. Thank you.
Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? Career combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. And my name is Kelly Combat. Before the break, we were talking to Mark Gway. This is a coffee chat because guess what, everyone? Tomorrow is fall and it's good to be able to hear from the brightest and best in the business. And before the break, we were talking to Mark about all the highs and lows in terms of what's happened in his career, things that he didn't quite plan for and things that he has learned from. And now back with Mark, I have some more questions because, you know, one thing is for certain, as as we just said, you can design this show. You can let us know who you would like for us to speak with on future episodes and whatever questions you may have, you can let us know. You can call the show or you can send me a note at yes at kellycoach.com. That's yes at k-e-l-l-i-c-o-a-c-h dot com. So continuing with you, Mark, I have a question. And these are these questions are so real, everybody. This is, first of all, it's live. Second of all, I don't provide questions in advance because I believe, <laughs> I believe that it's supposed to be real. It's supposed to be very, very frank and real, no gotcha moments, but the kinds of answers that you know are not scripted. So, Mark, my mm-hmm. question to you is, what is the best advice that you've gotten in your life that you didn't take <laughs> and you wish you did? Oh, geez. That is a deep <laughs> question. That is such a deep question. I love it. It's juicy. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's other ways I can answer that if I were to sit with it for a bit more. But what okay. shows up right away is actually a lesson that that my father said when I was a kid. You know, my father said, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. And oh, wow. I've always been the type of person who uh, I just I'm so hungry for life. I really am. You know, I I'm I have a thirst to to learn from other cultures, other languages. Um, even I was you know recently uh, camping in Santa Cruz, and uh, a colleague of mine used to be a culinary chef on that show, Top Chef. Yes, and. And he was cooking and I said, oh, Trevor, could I teach me? Like, what are we, you know, what are we doing here? And he was teaching me uh, a few things about making a dish. And, and I've just been so hungry to, to continue to learn that. And I'm learning how to grow mushrooms for the first time because I just think it's really cool, <laughs> you know. Mm. Uh, but my father was right. And that was a lesson I, I did not take 
for many, many, many years. And, uh, and you know, that lesson came back actually after my father died. And I heard his voice say to me, you're doing too much. And for the first time, I was able to say, you know what, Dad? You're right. And so what I've learned since then is something I know you've talked about as well before, Kelly, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well, is, yeah, we can do everything. You know, I think one of our other colleagues says this, we can do everything, but, uh, or we can do anything rather, but we can't do everything. And, and so what I've learned is that it's important for me in this life to do deep work. It's important for me when I show up in relationships to truly show up. And we have a world of abundance right now. You know, we have a, a cornucopia of information at our fingertips, and it's amazing. I can talk yes. to my friends in Laos right now if I wanted to. That's amazing. And if I really wanted to, I can, you know, Google as we're talking. I could tr- pretend to multitask, you know. And so yes. there's just so much that we can do. But what I've really learned is that my father was right. <clears throat> You're doing too much. And what that means is, is to go deep, is to focus, is to be present, is to focus, is to be here now, is to focus. And that means having to be discerning about what to cut, what to say no to. And so learning to say no to things, even if I am excited, even if I want to, even if I have to acknowledge the fact that I might not get to that in this lifetime, that's okay. And to let go of that and say, what's important right now? You know, what is this season for? What is this season of my life for? And so my dad's lesson of you're doing too much is spot on. And it took me about 25 years to figure that out. Wow. Yeah, I I think I can't tell you how much I resonate with all of what you just said. And as we're speaking, you know, I've known you for a bit now. In this call, I just cannot imagine how much more I'm learning about you. And I'm so grateful for it. Uh, One thing we have in common uh, is the fact that I lost my father as well. And Mm. I was very young. I was 16 years old. I have two brothers. One was 12 and one was eight. And so there was my mother who was a teacher in Detroit. um, And my dad was very big on education. He was he was taking apart Apple computers and he was a physicist and he <laughs> like he he was he was always telling me never stop learning Kelly mm-hmm. never stop learning mm-hmm. and to your point years ago I hated school I I shared in a previous episode that I did very poorly in school in uh middle school high school and I just didn't get my act together uh until much later and that's when I think years after he passed, that's when I realized, you know what, you never should stop learning and pay attention to all the lessons, not just school and things like that, but just lessons that you get from people you meet and Mm -hmm. so many things. So I'm definitely right there with you. And I think that what you said earlier about doing so much and what your dad said, um, I, I tended, I was tending to do the same thing because of the fact that I lost him so early and he was only 46 when he passed very suddenly. And so when that happened, I started doing all of the things, trying to fit everything in. And that's when I just started saying to myself, okay, maybe I'm not going to be able to fit everything in, in this lifetime. And I need to smell the roses. I need to pay attention to the relationships, like you said earlier. So thank you Mm -hmm. for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You know, something that's been helpful for me is, uh, it sounds so simple, but it's, it works. It's defining what are, what are my top three values yes. and saying no to anything else that doesn't fit outside of, or saying no to anything that doesn't fit within those three. And then once those three are full, then I can say yes to a couple other things. That's fine. Uh, cause I have, you know, other values as well, but getting really clear on what are those values and making sure that that's where my focus is going and making sure that that those elements are growing, you know, those are thriving actually. And I say it all the time that no is a complete sentence. (laughs) I've learned after all these years that no is a complete sentence. And to your point, if it doesn't, (laughs) I've never heard that. I love that. I I gotta, I gotta let it go. Like, let it go. Uh, It's almost November and no, get it. November, no, <laughs> uh, make make sure that you remember that every month can be November for you as well. Say no. Uh, it's a very big thing. So I'm wondering in terms of 
the types of choices you've made in your career. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the media stuff, the acting and all of that. Mm -hmm. I'm so curious as to what drew you to that field. To acting in particular? Yes. Yes. You want the short answer or the long one? I'll take either one. All right. Just okay. Be well, surprised. You, let, you let me know if I'm getting long-winded, <laughs> but uh, I've always loved story uh, for the reasons I explained earlier that I think stories, they draw the human experience, you know, and there's a reason, you know, Shakespeare is so well known. And, you know, when Hamlet said to be or not to be, that is the question, whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. It's that existential question that we all ask. And so, uh, I was a thespian, a theater, you know, geek from from my my childhood, and I remember in high school I was on the football team, and then I saw the the theater program, and I uh, auditioned, I got in uh, for a lead role, and I had a choice between continuing, I think it was basketball or something like that, or sports basically, or theater, and I chose theater, because I still played sports a lot as a kid and with my friends, but theater for me was. I just love what playing a role, what it what it did. It just br it brought out an aspect of me in a way that uh, other things did not. And so I enrolled in an acting conservatory. It's where I met my wife, and that was my initial, uh, you know, jaunt into higher education. Uh, and for other reasons that I'm happy to share, if it's relevant, uh, you know, I chose not to continue down that path. And uh, and then just recently. I hired an acting coach and, nice. and when people ask me like, why, why did you do that? I, I, you know, like, that's wild. Why, you know, it's expensive and it's time consuming. And, and so my answer to that is because what I have found is that when you play a character, you embody an aspect about yourself in a deeper way than the other components of your life will allow. And when a when an actor when when a really good actor plays a character, you lose that actor. You don't see them. When Kate Winslet plays a character, you don't see Kate Winslet. When Leonardo DiCaprio plays a character, Leo's gone. And a really good actor becomes that character. But here's the thing: they're becoming that character through an essence of themselves. And so, you know, the the saying, you know, know thyself, right? To know thyself, I have found is to really grow the roots and grow, go deeper into the corners, the chasms of my being that I don't generally allow myself to go mm. and are also kind of dangerous to go publicly. You know, the characters that we play on the screen and the characters that I'm playing right now, uh, I would never do them in public. Not sure. only would they, I would either get fired, I would lose my marriage, I, you know, like all this stuff would happen, right? But uh, when we play the when we play the role and we embody that character, we learn two things: one, about ourselves, something extraordinary, right? And I'm not talking just on an intellectual level. I'm talking on a somatic felt experience. You know, you mentioned your father's passing, my father's passing. Grief, grief is a transformative emotion that changes you. Yes. And so when you become the character, you you access parts of yourself that feel liberating even if they might be challenging to access at first and then the second thing is it teaches you something about the human experience and that is really my main goal in life is you know when i come to my deathbed i want to say that i soaked up the marrow in this life i really got an understanding i know i'm not going to get all the answers i know i'm going to have way more questions when i die but i'm going to be able to say man i really learned a lot in this lifetime Woo, what a ride <laughs> you know what a ride and so when I when I so when I talk to my acting coach, I say, give me, give me the I want to play the characters that I don't get to play. I want to play the drunk. I want to play the the criminal, the heroin addict. I want to play, um, you know, all, all these roles that, that I don't currently get to play in my life. I want to play them just to get a sense of what do I learn through that embodiment of that character. And of course, as a coach, it allows me to empathize with clients who may come from that background. Yes. Yes, I hadn't even thought about that connection. That's so, so interesting. And it, it, it's so illuminating what you said earlier about how people disappear. The greatest actors, you don't see them. You don't mm -hmm. see Angela Bassett when you watch What's Love Got to Do With It. Mm -hmm. You, you, you mm -hmm. forget. You think you're watching a documentary on Tina Turner. 
that's how good it is. And so I can imagine how that empathy would would come through as a coach mm-hmm. because you're playing these roles. So that gives you almost like an introduction to those folks' lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, he um, he once said something similar as well. You know, and I, I, I like to watch a lot of uh, the actor studio interviews. Yes. Yes, uh, because it really goes into their mindset and I find them to be so uh, empowering. Indeed, one of my favorite shows. Oh, my gosh, I I used to I need to get back to that. I need to, I need to go back to that show because I found it to be. But I'm very big on documentaries. I'm very much a nerd. I love learning, uh, going back to what my dad always said. And speaking of learning. I'm wondering, what are you learning from being a dad? <laughs> oh, uh, oh, it's amazing, as, as you know. It, uh, becoming a dad, and I became a dad at 35. I'm 38 right now, and my son's just about to turn three. And I, I consider it to be the greatest heart-opening experience in my life and the greatest ass-kicking in my entire life. You know, it's, it's <laughs> just, it's both. It is yeah. so incredibly challenging and so incredibly rewarding. And, uh, and thankfully, uh, there are times where I catch myself and I go, look at what my son's doing right now. My wife and I just the other day, uh, or this morning even rather, just literally a, a few hours ago, he is learning that song that I'm sure you and your audience members know, the Daddy Shark. Doo, 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 oh, boy. Shark, right. <laughs> I know. I know. It's going to get there. But he just learned it. And he just starts singing it. And he just starts kind of skipping around the house, making the shark, you know, yes. movement. And and my wife and I just look at each other and we give each other a look. And, and we had a moment where we said, or she said to me, she goes, it wasn't too long ago that he just took his first steps. And I said, yeah, I remember that. And, you know, that the cliche is so true in the parenting world. The days are the days are long, the years are short. And so I think being a parent to kind of answer your question uh, directly is it really is allowing me to better understand what it takes to be in the moment, because I'm not going to get that newborn time back with my son. Right. And so to really acknowledge and to honor, I know I got a lot of things that I can do. But to be here, to go back to my values, is to really be a present father and to really be there with my son. Because I know that 16 years from now, if not sooner, he's not going to want to hang out with daddy as much as he does now, you know? Exactly. And that, that time, it just flies. I, I, I shared with you that I'm a mother and I have uh, two two children. Uh, One's not a child, but I keep saying children. Uh, (laughs) And I can't believe uh, my daughter is 13. I like, I cannot believe. And she's 13 in every single way, everyone. (laughs) And so, yes, the time flies by and there's so many great moments, highs and lows. And the the lessons that you learn from being a parent, I, I just never would have even ever imagined some of the things like you're you're right you're ripping your heart wide open mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you you have to just learn every single day and sometimes we get it right and a lot of times we get it wrong oh yeah so in terms of the things that we have yet to come uh we have a break that's coming up very shortly and i wanted to prepare <laughs> this time i wanted to prepare mark for mm-hmm. some of the things that i'm going to be talking about after the break So I think that it would be really interesting for our audience to know. I know before, Mark, we were talking about clients and some of the things Uh that they go through when it comes Uh to their careers. So what I wanted to, to put up to task is the thought concept of really negotiating for yourself in your career, whatever that means when it comes to extrinsic rewards, compensation, money, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even benefits, or maybe perhaps some of those intrinsic things that we just as humans are not really standing up for ourselves for when it comes to getting the promotion, getting the new job. So I wanted to talk about that for just a few moments after we come back from the break, because as you said before, Mark, it really is about thinking about your values. And how are you, in fact, valuing yourself if, in fact, 
you're not negotiating for yourself. Mm. 100%. Indeed. So after the break, we're going to talk back with Mark about how you can best negotiate for what you want in life when it comes to your career. Thanks for listening. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? Career combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Men are currently in a mental health crisis. Suicide, addiction, and loneliness are on the rise. Men need mentorship, community, and guidance. On the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Agile, you'll hear from experts on topics that men care about the most. Financial health, relationships, fitness, emotional management, and lifestyle design. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. All right, folks. Well, gear up. Buckle in. We're back. This is Kelly Combat, and we're on Career Combat with Mark Gway. And the break was all about, before the break, we were talking about all the things, all the things that happen in our lives when it comes to our careers and all the things that we experience, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, all the things. And now that we're back, as promised, I thought it would be really interesting to talk about the things that we tend as humans not to negotiate for enough. And I don't know why that's the case. Sometimes it's about perhaps imposter syndrome, or it could be self-esteem or lack thereof. For whatever reason, a lot of times we just don't honor ourselves. And we don't lean into that in terms of that, that, that thing that's whispering in our ear. You could have said this in the interview. When you got the offer, you could have said that, but we just let it go. So I'd like to put that up to you, Mark, and ask, what do you think is behind, and I'm sure you've seen it with your clients, I'm sure you've seen it all around as you've partnered with so many hundreds of thousands, millions of folks around the world in different client capacities or what have you, what is it that is stopping them from getting what they want in their careers? 100%. And there's a lot of things we could talk about in this. I love this. I love this theme you know, this idea of, of negotiation, because for yes. me, it's all about an energetic exchange. There needs to be an energetic match, whether it's, whether it's money, whether it's position, title, uh, flexibility, you know, whatever it is that, that it, the conversation's on. What I would say, and, and we could expand on this, of course, is what's often going on there is uh, when I work with a client, it's a fear of either missing out or fear of being rejected, right? If I ask for this much more money, if I ask for this thing, uh, if I show up in this way, in this high, high pressure moment, you know, an interview, uh, then I might get rejected or I might get 
laughed at. I might get kicked out. I might, uh, you know, not receive that and then lose whatever I have. Right. And that is entirely normal. That is utterly normal. One of the core psycho-spiritual fears that we have as humans is to be ostracized, is to be kicked out. Right. And so what I often work with work on when I work with a client on, on something on, on this theme is really getting clear uh, on what I call the protective system is, you know, when you feel that tension, whether you're asking for a raise, you're asking for a promotion, whatever it is you're asking, and this doesn't have to be at work. This could even literally be in your relationships at home, in your community. When you feel like you want to ask for something, which is to verbally express a core value, a core desire, something that you really care about, and you start to feel tension in the body, like, oh, I can't ask for that. Ooh, that would be too much. That would be, oh, that would be too much for you to ask, Mark. You know, that type of voice. Really get clear on what is that voice trying to do for you? Because the likelihood is 99% of the time, that voice is trying to help you. And so instead of, like we talked about earlier, we have a culture of kind of pushing through. Instead of pushing through, gaining intimacy of the parts that we have inside. So gaining intimacy with that protector and going, hey, uh, I see you right there. And what's your concern? What's your concern if I ask for that raise? Let's just use raise as an example. What's your concern if I go ahead and ask for that raise? Oh, okay. You think that uh, they're going to say no and then I might get fired. That's a really good, that's a good fear. Yeah, I understand that. And you have a conversation with these parts inside. And Trust me, this is not the definition of crazy. In fact, if you look at Lev Vygotsky's research many years ago, he came up with the concept of self-talk, which is to really show that it is super important that we have talk with ourselves, that we talk to ourselves, right? (laughs) And so you're having this conversation with this party that says, okay, so you fear that, uh, you know, I might... uh, I might, you know, lose lose the job if I I ask for that raise. Okay. Uh, And... What you do is then you have a conversation when you say, and if that happens, here's what I would, I would be able to do. I would be able to pull on this skill set to be able to get a new job or to bring, bring in extra resources. I would be able to call on these people. It typically comes down to competency, so skills and, and community people, right? And yes. who, do, who are the people that we have to really support us? But this is where it goes a bit deeper, and this is why I love this work is then you go and you get a little bit more clarity on, okay, so when did you first show up in my life? And what is often the case is that protector showed up in your life at a time when you were younger and you really needed the protector to step in for you. And it's often in childhood or adolescence, sometimes in the twenties or twenties as well, that protector comes in because you didn't have the resources to be able to pull yourself back out of the hole if that thing that it fears did happen, right? Whether it's getting kicked out of school, getting kicked out of family, getting kicked out of a friendship. This is, these are all entirely normal. And what's super powerful and really incredible to witness is you then reintroduce yourself to this protector and you say, I really understand that I needed you at that time and I'm not that age anymore. I'd like to, I'd like to introduce myself. I'd like for you to meet me at this age now. Oh, wow. And, because these protectors, they, you know, they get embedded in our psyche and they think that we're the same age. Time is the linear time is irrelevant to them. That's not how this works. And this is based off of the work of Dr. Richard Schwartz, if you want to take a look at, at his work. Um, and so anyways, uh, so once the, once the protector, uh, you know, gains a little bit more trust and, and, and learns to interact with what is called yourself, it begins to trust you a little bit more and then it allows you to show up in things that were once scary and that fear sort of goes away. That fear eventually dwindles down because the protector learns to trust you and realize, oh, I don't have to show up in this way anymore. That's amazing. And eventually it creates a new job and oftentimes it inverts. So what was once the, oh, don't do that, that's scary. It actually becomes this really loving, nurturing voice of, Oh, you can do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go for that. You deserve it. And it's this really powerful, nurturing, generative voice. And it's absolutely beautiful to witness. And 
just to be clear, I'm not just talking about when you're an emerging leader. Let's use you know leadership as an example, and you're trying to get a raise at a job. I've seen this with people that are, you know, making a tremendous amount of money, and they go to another position and they get you know uh, even more money right, than than they thought was once possible, or they get a new position that they thought was once possible. Whatever it is, whatever they want to negotiate, uh, these protectors will come in at at different times and instead of trying to push through instead of trying to overthrow them it's turning in tuning in and having a loving connection and that transcends the fear and it's extremely powerful to witness what a different concept as to what we go through when we are really hesitant and we are listening to to the saboteurs the things that sabotage us in order to get what we want. I, I've never heard it put quite like that. And it's so rooted. Everything you said, Mark, is so rooted in the science of life, really. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, and, and just like you, Kelly, uh, for me to be able to bring something to my coaching practice, two things need to occur. One, I need to have a solid understanding of the scientific research of it. It needs yes. to be tried and tested in the scientific community, and I need to have empirical evidence of it occurring in my life. So everything that I share with a client is a practice that other credentialed people are saying is good, and then I've also experienced it as well. And so I have an empathic understanding of what it's like to feel during that moment, right? And this process that I'm explaining was incredibly powerful for me when I was first introduced to it. And then I was in awe at just how much research there is behind it as well. And so that's why I bring it to my coaching work. And I'm glad you're bringing it up because, you know, it definitely resonates with me because when I think about spending so much time in human resources and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and as a coach, empathy is at the heart of all of that. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. if you are... Uh, you know, somebody who's representing HR, or if you are in the work of organizational justice or what have you, you have to be rooted in empathy. Otherwise, you can never move the needle. And you also have to have lived experience. Lived experience really helps with that empathy. 100%. I think that's key. And, you know, as parents, as leaders, having that lived experience, as a father in particular, you know, I want to be able to have lived experiences that I can share with my son. Precisely. One thing I'd love to understand from you, you mentioned some really great resources and I'm always <laughs> about uh, what should we be listening to? What should <laughs> we be watching? What should <laughs> we be reading? So what are your hot, your hottest things that we should be listening to or watching or reading? What would you recommend? Such a great question. You know, it, it, and that question, it's a tough one to answer, to be perfectly honest with you, because it all depends on where someone is in their life, you know? And yes, and I, I, I certainly have come to believe that there's not one path in life. You know, there's not one book that everyone needs to read. It's, it's more of where are you in your life? What path are you choosing to walk down? And where are you on that path, right? And I can share what for me has been really helpful and what I'm listening to and and this may resonate, you know, with with your with your listeners. It, it may not, but for me, what I'm currently uh, doing a lot of uh, reading on is is by a guy named uh, Dr. Bill Plotkin. And Dr. Bill Plotkin, he's a, a clinically trained uh, psychotherapist, and um, at around in his I think early 30s, he decided to leave his professorship, and he decided to embark on studying indigenous wisdom. And he w- became, uh, he started to train in what's called the traditional vision fast. And this guy is really interesting to me because he is taking the Western academia and really merging it with the indigenous wisdom that is often overlooked in academia. And he is, he's created a school called the Animus Valley Institute. And I just find his work, his book called Nature and the Human Soul, I find that one to be utterly powerful if you want to get a sense of how we as humans can continue to evolve. And he is not only taking a look at the clinical research, but he's also taking a look at 
what indigenous wisdom has said for millennia. And also he invites you to go ahead and try it yourself. So, you know, here's how to go ahead and, and interact with nature in a way that the indigenous uh, cultures have. And, and, and here's what they've learned about it. You go ahead and experience it yourself. So it's very experiential. I find that to be really powerful, particularly in the time that we're living in where the earth and the humans, I think we need to come in a little bit more of a healthy relationship, you know? And so uh, it, his work brings you into that. So Dr. Bill Plotkin, for me, is the one that I'm currently uh, really spending a lot of time with. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I, I've got them all written down because <laughs> I'm very big into this. So that was a, a mm-hmm. bit uh, uh, selfish of me. I, I will admit it uh, that I really. Oh, was it's a great question. Interested. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love it. And I figured the listeners wanted to know as well. Mm-hmm. And so, Mark, how can people get in contact with you for coaching or for any of the things that you do? Thank you so much for asking. And. And Kelly, I just want to thank you so much. This interview has been so uh, energizing oh, for you. me, uh, truly. You're, you're an incredible, incredible interviewer, and, and just having this conversation with you has been uh, really enjoyable. So thank you. The best way for people to reach out to me would be through email. Uh, I am going to be more active on social media. I'm actually going to be launching a new podcast uh, Very shortly. Nice. Uh, but the best way to get a hold of me would be with my email, and that's my full name. So it's Mark, M-A-R-K, at markwguay.me that's m-a-r-k-w-g-u-a-y dot me very nice indeed mark thank you tremendously for being here for being my guest and to making my friday i really or as i call it friday i really appreciate (laughs) it thank you so much and everyone thank you for listening one thing is for certain I think many times we are always so concerned about our phones, right? We're always updating our operating systems, our iOS, or if you have Samsung, we're always getting the latest and greatest, right, on our phones. But ask yourselves, when was the last time that you updated your own values operating system? Mm. Ooh, think about that, everybody. Mm, And until next time... Thank you for listening. This is Kelly Combat on Career Combat. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Career Combat with Kelly Combat. We hope we've given you the tools to navigate your career quandaries. Until we talk again next week, have a beautiful week. 